0: Earlier this week, a very wise person on Twitter by the name of Posh4Linux had this to say There is no wrong way to run Linux. There is your way to run Linux, and everyone's way is different. On any hardware, with any distribution, with or without proprietary drivers, with or without proprietary software, with or without sending telemetry. Running Linux your way. Is what this show is all about.
1: Moin, I'm Dave and i Linux for Everyone in Litzburg. Willkommen daheim.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 20 of Linux for Everyone. This is the show about desktop Linux open source software and the community creating and enjoying it. My name is Jason Evangelo, and I have the mother of all colds right now. Tis the season, I suppose. That's why there wasn't an episode last week, and I, I sincerely apologize for that. I tried... Um, but you could hear every time I took a breath, you could hear my chest rattling, and uh, every sentence or so I was sneezing or coughing or (laughs) having to blow my nose, and it was not something I wanted to put out there, you know, as a permanent record, because it just would have been a bit of an audio disaster, I think. I'm slightly back in the saddle now, uh, not not remotely 100%, and I've traded in my Jack and Coke for some lemon herb tea, (laughs) but uh, the show must go on, so let's do it. You may or may not know this, but I do maintain a system with Windows 10 on it. And that's that's for a variety of reasons. You know, if uh, if Magic the Gathering Arena suddenly stops working on Linux, then I've got some, some kind of fallback to, uh, you know, to feed my addiction. And other times it is for comparing uh, gaming performance with Steam Proton versus native Windows games. And sometimes, really, it's just to stay on top of what's happening in the Windows 10 world. And that really makes me appreciate my switch to Linux. It never struck me how absurd the Windows Update statement of your PC will restart several times was until I made that switch to Linux last year. And that kind of prompted me to ask you guys over on Twitter and Facebook and Mastodon what you appreciate about Linux that you just can't experience on Windows. So I wanted to open the show with some of your excellent responses to that. Jay Mawson says, If I forget to switch my machine off overnight, I can still use it just fine in the morning. It's not even laggy, even if it's been on for weeks. Over on Twitter, Espen says, I appreciate the package system that covers all software and not just system updates. This is probably the biggest advantage if I were to pick just one. Installation of new software is literally one line away. No browsing to web pages and downloading and installing. No manual work per application to keep them updated. No update managers for this and that and all the others. It's all streamlined into one packaging system with reliable control over dependencies. Carlos says, I haven't had to deal with malware since I started using it full time in 2008. Here's another one that I hadn't thought about for a while. Over on Mastodon, Simon says, I appreciate not having to activate my OS. Your copy of Windows may be counterfeit. Patrick McAfee had a tough time narrowing it down to one thing, so he says pretty much every single thing about Linux. Customization, stability, performance, choice, the whole shebang. My wife's little Lenovo Yoga was getting along okay until the Wi-Fi started randomly dropping off. Linux fixed that. And by the way, that was the exact same annoyance I had originally last year with the uh, Dell XPS 13 9370 that had been shipped to me with Windows 10 on it. And that was one of a few things that instigated this entire switch to Linux journey for me. Okay, now I really love this answer from Joseph. He says, I appreciate that a Linux system is something that I have consciously chosen Not something that was just pre installed. If I need to change something, I have the ability to do so, even if that means changing to a different distribution. Fluke Jones, aka 10x Milkshake, says the ability to remove anything and everything rather than being stuck with what Microsoft thinks I need. And no driver bloatware. He says it's absolutely absurd that a sound driver has 500 megabytes of extraneous stuff bundled in with it. Building on that comment, Vancha over at Mastodon says, With Linux, you can remove everything you don't want. This includes control panels, hardware drivers, whether they're required or not, annoying software that runs in the background, etc., etc. Things like this just aren't possible in Windows. And to wrap up this little Linux love fest, Ahmed says, you can contact the developers directly in case of bugs. Ahmed, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. This is something that is uh, unique and and really, really valuable, I think, to Linux and to the community. A- and really, that's just, you know, being able to contact the developers directly in case of bugs. You can say that for a lot of things. Contact the developers directly if you have a question if you want to pick their brain about something, if you want to just say thank you, if you want to donate to uh, what they're doing, uh, you know, any number of things. And this is something that has struck me as as just downright incredible about using Linux. Whether I'm using something like Ubuntu, which is enjoyed by millions of other people and, and developed by a fairly large company, I can talk to... Uh, Martin Wimpress, I can talk to Alan Pope. I can get into these really interesting Twitter conversations with them or speak to them on Telegram. If I'm trying to install Peppermint OS on my Oryx Pro and I'm getting stuck, you know, the, the freaking founder uh, will spend hours with me trying to get everything to work smoothly. And that, it just blows me away. And I think that really adds to the the closeness. And um, it sounds like a word that maybe doesn't belong, but, but the intimacy of using Linux, that, that personal touch, that feeling that you're not so far detached from the people that have created this thing that you're enjoying. Okay, this segment may be over now, but let's keep the Linux love fest going I created a thread for this topic over at the Destination Linux Network community forum. So if you want to read some other comments or add your own, head over to discourse.destinationlinux.network or look for a link directly to it at the show notes for this episode at linux4everyone.com.
1: Hello again, Linux for everyone, Liam here from Gaming on Linux. Now, it's been a while, hasn't it? I'm back to talk about another super cool Linux game that I absolutely adore. This time I'm going to tell you about Baba Is You, an absolutely ingenious puzzle game that I have a really hard time tearing myself away from. Baba Is You has a really simple idea where each individual level has something like a flag that you need to touch to complete it. But your path is blocked somehow, so you need to change the rules of the level. To do so, you push around special logic blocks to combine them into entirely new rules. Now, these blocks are all simple words like lava is hot or rock is push, with you being able to move the individual words on the screen into other places. So you could push them around to end up saying lava is push and then simply run into the lava and watch it get pushed out of your way. It gets pretty hilarious when you start changing yourself into all kinds of stupid things. Baba is an incredibly creative game. It's an unexpected gem. And when you look at Baba is You, you could easily ignore it for how simple it looks. It's incredibly deceptive, though. The puzzles can get incredibly difficult. And they will challenge you because of the unusual way that you solve the levels. You have to think outside the box. If you usually like puzzle games, I think Babbit is You is something that you need to put as number one on your list right now. And next year, it's getting a level editor as well with online sharing. I can't wait to see what crazy stuff people come up with. I love Babbit is You, and I think you will too.
0: I love that Liam digs up these, these undiscovered Linux gaming gems and puts them in front of us. But the cool thing is that he does that all day, every day over at GamingOnLinux.com. So check out that site, give him a follow on Twitter or Mastodon at GamingOnLinux, and tell him thanks for adding to our already enormous backlog. <laughs> no, seriously, Liam, thank you. It's nice to have you on the show again. pretty long history with Apple hardware. And for the record, I actually don't hate Apple, and I don't hate macOS. If you were to present me with a choice of using just Windows or macOS for the rest of my life, I mean, if this was something you were forcing me to do, I would happily choose macOS. I have issues with uh, the increasingly locked-down way that Apple has built their their recent Macs, their their recent uh Mac Pro and and MacBooks. But I did have some really good times with Apple hardware. You know, back in I think it was 2004 I bought a second generation iPod and it was so cool. It helped me kind of rediscover a lot of my music. And that eventually led to stumbling across this thing called podcasts. And I don't know, within about four or five months of picking up that iPod, I had started my own podcast. In a way, I sort of credit Apple for my love of podcasts. That's, that's really neither here nor there. But in 2007, I bought my first MacBook. That was the, uh, I believe, the late 2007 Santa Rosa model MacBook Pro. I loved that laptop. Much later, I bought a 2013 MacBook Pro because I wanted to um, start creating music on a Mac. I, I wanted something easier. I'd heard a lot about Logic Pro and I got to use it a couple times and I fell in love with it. Then in 2016, I was fortunate enough to be given one of the MacBook Pro's that had launched with uh, Radeon Pro GPUs inside of it. And this was the first generation butterfly keyboard. Best speakers I've ever heard on a laptop, period. Fantastic retina display. Absolutely abysmal typing experience. Um, It has been borderline impossible to use that thing. I hate using it. And unfortunately, Apple has made it really difficult to install Linux on it. But a few weeks ago, when I was back in the States, I uh, made a detour to my mom's house for a few days and started going through all my stuff that I had left in uh, the States when I moved here to Croatia. And I opened this box, and there it is, the 2013 MacBook Pro. So I gave it a quick charge and fired it up and looked at the specs. An Intel i7 quad-core CPU, uh, 16 gigabytes of RAM, a great retina display, awesome speakers, and a one terabyte SSD. And I thought to myself, this is the first time I've looked at this machine through the eyes of a Linux user. This would make a kick-ass Linux laptop. Then about a week later, Cassidy over at Elementary OS reached out to me and he said, hey, Elementary 5.1 is coming and I've got a beta for you to try out. Surrounding all of that were a bunch of questions in my inbox asking, hey, how does Linux run on older Mac hardware? And then it all just kind of came together. Admittedly, you know, maybe I'm the I'm the odd man out here, but I started remembering how much I really enjoyed using Mac OS. I I liked its elegance and its simplicity compared to Windows. And the thought of running something that looked and functioned like elementary OS on this surprisingly still uh, very relevant and very beastly MacBook Pro sounded really exciting. And that is when Jason fell down another rabbit hole. I ended up going on a bit of an installation spree with my 2013 MacBook Pro, and I'm glad I did. I've had some questions from people here and there, you know, asking, is it is it really hard or impossible to install Linux on Apple hardware? And the answer to that is yes and no. It depends on when that Apple hardware was produced. So if you're looking at something like, you know, for example, my uh, my newer MacBook Pro, which I just double-checked is a late 2016 model, then you've got a new element of hardware in these devices, and that's Apple's T2 security chip. And without getting too into the weeds, it, it makes it very, very difficult for Linux distribution to detect things like a storage drive. But if you go back to late 2013 and earlier it is surprisingly easy to get Linux installed. So anyway, I installed uh, Manjaro, the the KDE version of that. I installed Ubuntu 18.04 and Ubuntu 19.10. And I installed elementary OS 5.1 on my 2013 MacBook Pro. Burning the ISOs to a USB stick... For installation, didn't require anything special. I mean, you can use macOS's own uh, built-in disk utility. You can use something like Etcher or Rufus or Popsicle or any type of USB flashing utility that you have access to. And from there, it's just stick the USB into your Mac, hold the Option key as you power it on, and boot from, I think it'll be labeled as an EFI partition. So you just boot from that and install Linux normally. The only hook is you want to make sure that you click, uh, it's the install third party drivers and software, and that's for things like Wi Fi detection and uh, GPUs. And that's important because the 2013 model that I have uses a Broadcom Wi Fi adapter inside, and also I believe it's an NVIDIA 750M GPU. Anyway, I tested all three of these distributions, both in their live environments. So that's when you can just run it straight from the USB without having to install it to your laptop or or desktop's hard drive, and also straight to the metal, which is, of course, doing the installation routine and installing it locally onto your PC. And the only issue that I walked away noticing is that pesky Broadcom Wi-Fi. Sometimes it would detect it, sometimes it wouldn't. But there's a really easy fix online where you just have to install the uh, reverse-engineered Broadcom driver. And this is a pretty blanket solution. And I believe that uh, if your Mac uses a Broadcom wireless adapter, this will do the trick. And I'll have a link, of course, to that solution uh, over on the show notes for this episode. The tricky part you might be asking is, well, okay, how do you get online to install (laughs) that piece of software? Fortunately, I had a few uh, USB wireless adapters floating around. Those all worked. And so you can log on with that and get connected. Or you have maybe a uh, USB to Ethernet adapter. You can plug that in. Or you can use your Android phone to create a Bluetooth Tether with the Mac. And these are all fairly straightforward solutions. So there really was no roadblock to getting these Linux distributions installed on my Mac. And then I started digging around, and I saw that someone revived uh, an old 2009 MacBook Pro. Listener of this show and very generous patron, by the way, thank you very much, uh, Stephen Cross, Revived his 2011 Mac Mini, and there's so many examples out there. So if you know someone who has one of these older Macs and they want to breathe some new life into it, or maybe you have one yourself, I'm here to tell you it's not that difficult. And I even ran some Geekbench uh, benchmarks, which kind of tests uh, your basic CPU performance. And I ran these tests in in both Mac OS Catalina and also all three of these distributions, elementary, Ubuntu, and Manjaro, performance was pretty comparable. And uh, there were one or two instances where it just kind of tipped the scales on Linux, a little bit better performance than, than Mac OS. So that was also reassuring to see. There's a reason, by the way, that a lot of people in the development community are doing this. And that's because uh, specifically with machine learning, they need to use TensorFlow. And Mac OS does not support TensorFlow on NVIDIA GPUs, and that's kind of a driver problem there. And it's yet another area where Linux wins by not restricting what you do with your computer. Oh, and uh, by the way, I, I sort of switched from Pop! OS to elementary. <laughs> I know, I kind of buried the lead there just just a little bit. And this is the other aspect of this that I wanted to talk about, in testing Elementary 5.1 on the Mac, I really started to fall in love with it. I've flirted a bit with Elementary OS. I've I've danced around it a little bit. I've covered it at Forbes. And, you know, I've interviewed uh, Daniel, the, the founder and CEO of Elementary on this show. If you haven't heard that, check out episode seven. Maybe in the past, I, I hadn't given Elementary OS enough time to really sink in. I hadn't used it enough as part of my daily routine to to fully appreciate it. You know, I, I loved what I was seeing from the outside. I played with the installer, I liked their approach there. I love their philosophy towards development and their own transparency in the development of this distro. I appreciate that they are giving independent app developers an opportunity to make some money in their app center and at the same time, the freedom to distribute that software on any other Linux distro that they see fit. I like that they have an almost stubborn but clear vision of how they want an operating system to function and how they want a, a workflow to happen on the desktop. I love all of that stuff, but for whatever reason... It all came together in this past couple weeks with elementary 5.1's update, with my experience using it on a solid piece of Mac hardware. And it's the little things, you know, I always say that the little things add up. It's it's elementary's new greeter that they have with, that supports uh, not only multiple users, because every Linux distro does that. But the fact that it's so personalized with, you know, the user's background wallpaper in that little tile card when you log in, Um, I love that they have a welcome screen that gets you set up really, really quickly with the, the, the utter basics and then just gets out of your way. And it's modular, right? So if there's a future OS update, the things you've already selected won't appear. And I think that's really neat. I like that elementary put the effort into implementing parental controls, you know, allowing um, the administrator or the parent to set times when compu- the computer can't be used, to set apps that cannot be accessed, things like that. And I'm starting to fall in love with a really broad selection of software that's in the App Center that is designed, but not limited to elementary OS. Because it, it just reminds me of, of like way back in the day when the app stores first emerged on the mobile landscape, you know, with the iPhone and such. An app that does one thing and does it really well. And that looks like it is part of that operating system, not something that's kind of tacked on and the, the styling looks a bit different, but you kind of just accept it and uh and learn to deal with it. No, these apps, they're all very elegant, they're all very simple and they do one thing really well. Stuff like Quilter, stuff like Melody. It just feels like a more focused and and more tightly integrated and and cohesive ecosystem to me. There's even things about about Elementary's implementation of Terminal that I love. Uh for starters, Control V, that's paste. It's not. I think it's Control Shift V on other distributions because Control V is what I'm used to. That's what I've been used to for two decades. And there is paste protection, so if you uh, leave that enabled, it'll kind of pop up and go. Did you hey? Did you mean to paste this? So that's cool. And I can open Terminal with Super and T, which is something I'm used to from Pop! OS, and that seems like a sane default to me. But the coolest thing is that tasks that are happening inside Terminal are natively integrated into Elementary's uh, notification system, which is just, I- again, elegant, helpful, useful. Now, I-, I don't want to give any of you a heart attack, but I have even replaced. Pop OS with elementary OS 5.1 on my Oryx Pro. Make no mistake, I am still and probably always will be a, a diehard System76 fan. I love their company culture. I love how quickly they jump in and solve problems and, and that normally benefits the entire uh, Linux ecosystem. But sometimes it it feels like there's a little bit of distro lock-in when it comes to using this Oryx Pro laptop. I have had a really difficult time achieving the same kind of really smooth experience on the Oryx Pro when I'm not using Pop! OS on it. Installing something like Peppermint OS or Elementary OS results in drastically reduced battery life. And uh, when the NVIDIA proprietary driver gets installed, You know how there's that NVIDIA X Server Settings little window that uh, you can switch between Intel and NVIDIA now with with that early Prime support that they have in the driver? Well, you can do that on this system, but it doesn't actually switch. And I verified that by using PowerTop and seeing which devices were active and consuming energy. So once that NVIDIA driver gets installed... That becomes the active display device. And of course, you know, if I'm not gaming or if I'm not doing any kind of video editing, I just want to use the Intel integrated graphics. So I open up that Nvidia X Server settings window and I switch to Intel and I log out or I reboot. I can't remember which one it requires you to do. Boot back in, estimated battery life is still abysmal, and NVIDIA still active. But when I install an alternate distribution, not Pop! OS, and I add the System76 repository and install the System76-Power package, that will do things like um, update your kernel to 5.3. It will add the ability to change the keyboard backlighting to different colors, which is you know the intended, the intended use of that keyboard, because you got to have your RGB goodness, right? And it will install their, I guess, their kind of variant of the NVIDIA driver. And they have this this neat little applet on Pop! OS that allows you to just toggle back and forth between NVIDIA and Intel. Now, that supports the GNOME desktop, not the Pantheon desktop, which Elementary uses. So, the downside here is that you have to switch back and forth via the command line, And I've also noticed that if my Oryx Pro is plugged in, the fans will be spinning up constantly. So there are two downsides there. I think they're solvable. And I don't necessarily think that the uh, the blame should be directed at System76 here. I think it has something to do with the relatively immature state of that, that Prime support for the NVIDIA drivers. And hybrid graphics laptops are not perfect on Linux yet. They're really, really close, though. And I'm hoping that with a few months of driver development and tweaks by the the Linux developers out there, that um, we'll have a a really smooth hybrid graphics experience. Anyway, went into the weeds a little bit there. (laughs) Let me catch my breath. Um, I think my main takeaway here is that I still love Pop! OS. I still love my Oryx Pro. But I really prefer, at the moment, elementary OS for all the reasons that I listed, a few minutes earlier, so I'm going to stick with it for now. I'm going to see uh, how it does with gaming. I'm using it right now to record the podcast, so that's a plus. Everything is working there. No audio issues. Audacity is running great. You know, no uh, no crashing has happened. No weird erratic uh, freezing or anything. It's just been really really smooth. And uh, the flat pack support is great. And yeah, all that stuff. I did wonder for a time if if Peppermint OS would stick. And I do still have it on my XPS 13. And I do still have it on that really um, subpar, kind of ultra-budget Asus Vivo book. And that is the perfect distribution, in my opinion, for those devices, for what I use those devices for. But yeah, elementary really got its hooks into me with this 5.1 update. And if you haven't checked it out in a while, it may be worth revisiting. Well, my friends, uh, the throat is coming very close to rebelling on me now, and I think this is about as far as I can go this week. Thank you very much for your patience in waiting for episode 20. And uh, again, please accept my apologies for skipping a week. It's not something I plan on doing, except under very dire circumstances. And last week, it was just simply not possible to record a show. Before I say goodbye though, I want to thank everyone who has given my wife Lana uh, so much feedback and encouragement surrounding her uh, guest spot on the show on episode 19 the the Lana tried Linux segment um, has has really really resonated and you guys made her feel like a star And hey if you need some awesome content in between episodes of Linux for everyone, check out what's happening over at the Destination Linux Network. You've got stuff like the Ask Noah Show, the DOS Geek Channel, Destination Linux, DLN Extend, This Week in Linux, and of course, Zebedee Boss. There's a great forum there that brings all of our content creators and communities together. And last but not least, we're going to be kicking off a charity fundraising event for freegeek.org. So stay tuned to the forum and to Destination Linux for more info on that. I hope you guys have a fantastic week with your various Linux adventures. And until we talk again, take care and take care of each other.